Physical is a comedy drama on Apple TV starring Rose Byrne, which takes place in the 80s amid the aerobic exercise boom that made workout VHS tapes a staple of pop culture. On this podcast, we recap and give our impressions of the first episode of season two, Don't You Want Me? It's Saturday, June 4th, and you're listening to today's episode. So this episode, Don't You Want Me, is really my introduction to physical as a show. I'd never even heard of season one. So when season two came along, all I had was some assumptions based on the cover. The cover reminded me a lot of Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which is on Netflix starring Alison Brie. This is Rose Byrne. Um, Both of those shows, Glow and Physical, ironically, I think they both take place in the same year in California. No, what year is it? Uh, 1985 around there because they mentioned Reagan just getting elected which was 84 in the previously to physical and I know because I Wikipedia it um glow came out or was supposed to be taking place in 1985 Los Angeles this is San Diego where physical is and Rose Burns there with her puffed up hair in the cover and her workout leotard very similar to Alison Brie where she's posed also in a leotard and uh, heavy makeup. It's just, it's very common to that time to think of the 80s as the puffed up hair time. So that was my first assumption is that's when we're taking place. Second assumption was we have shows on Apple TV like Ted Lasso, Severance, Servant, For All Mankind, Pachinko, basically shows that have blown up over the last couple of years. Physical just feels like it's floated under the radar. Like I don't even know how it got a second season. So we're either finding a diamond in the rough here or it's going to be like a pity season Mm -hmm. where they kind of just like let it pass because it stars uh, Rose Byrne. Well, yeah, I mean, the show was renewed for a second season two days before the first season's finale aired, mm-hmm. which I think was like back in 2021. When I After doing research for this show, the, the second season at least reminds me kind of of BoJack Horseman's second season, where it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like Shelia? Sheila. Yeah, Sheila, she, her character is supposed to be going through like a transition and like trying to make her life better, right? Hmm. Um, this is what I gathered just from the quick season one summary that flashes by at the very first minute. Rose Byrne plays Sheila Rubin, like you said, a 1980s typical housewife who, in a similar tenor to the wife from Kevin Can Fuck Himself, uh, just gets fed up with her life, um, her husband Danny, and her personal lack of success, right? Yeah. So what does she do? I'm asking you. What does she do based off your research? Doesn't she start making like VHS workout tapes? She starts as a fitness instructor and then she starts making exercise videos and selling them at the mall. And this is the 1980s malls that you kind of see in Stranger Things. Yeah, I was so just about to ask. there's that connection. Um, season two picks up with Sheila psyching herself up in the mirror of a bathroom. The show relies heavily on voiceover narration. Well, do you know what happened to the husband last season? Yeah, we'll get into all okay. that, I promise. But the voiceover narration that she does in her own head reminded me a lot of Dexter. And it enhances the audience's awareness of why Sheila's making the decisions that she's making and also her mental state Isn't at any particular like- time yeah mental state because isn't it also like birdman in the sense where like the voiceover narration is almost like insulting her um 
it's like critiquing her. It's almost like the mom in the background that you see in some shows where she's always like questioning her diet habits or when she's going to get a husband. Uh, something that's pushing her to do the more outrageous things in her life. You yeah, know? the narration. It's not necessarily an evil voice, but it's certainly one that's more egocentric. Oh, I thought that was an evil voice because the narration they do after like everything. The narration is the last thing they do. They already edit like the episode. She does a really good job with like interacting with it, even if they've added it post. The one thing that I would add is that i only watched one episode so it could be evil narration i just took it to be sort of um semi-helpful semi-not kind of like both the devil and the angel on her shoulder yeah i mean she's supposed to be this season's supposed to have a sense of growth and change to her character like so. yeah i mean she's always growing so sheila is in the bathroom we find out that she's actually practicing her introductions she's like hi i'm sheila you know mm-hmm. she's trying to sell herself because she's at the san diego networking party um, filled with a bunch of agents and a bunch of self-help gurus of the time period looking to make it big. Think of like Hype House, the TV <laughs> show, like incubators for a bunch of people who, again, want to make it into the big I thought you, I thought you were going to say something like Halt and Catch Fire where they go to oh, a lot of I those I do meetings. compare it to Halt and Catch Fire, but not because of her business life, more her personal life. Like her husband reminds me a lot of Gordo. But at this party, this is prior to the internet. So this is kind of like how someone becomes an influencer. She wants to be an influencer, but of the 80s to get her face in front of a lot of people. And back then, the only way to do so before YouTube (laughs) was to basically dispense your own content in VHS form and get people to buy it. Yeah. So so there she is at the mall or in this episode, she's at grocery stores and she's literally just selling herself in this leotard being like, you want to look like me? Buy my tape so and you'll learn how to. Is there like a TV next to her where she's playing the tape as well? Or is Not it literally yet. just At her? the okay. party, she's meeting her agent. She's talking to a bunch of other people who are sort of in a similar field. There's this guy who dehydrates food. <laughs> and then he shows people how to do it in his tapes. And then my favorite guy is a guy who came, comes along later on. He's on an infomercial with the tagline, Get in lean with Vincent Green. I just think that's a great tagline. <laughs> He's selling miracle pills. Basically, these are like peddlers, and it's all nine ninety nine. There's right? the only the only reason they named him Vincent Green is so that would rhyme. I, I think it's a perfect name if you want to sell um, getting lean. <laughs> we also see that Augie, the person who I guess signed her in the first season to distribute her material or have her under his umbrella, that she's not necessarily happy with the way that he's selling her stuff because she still has to now go to all these grocery marts as opposed to malls. She likes selling in malls, but she doesn't like selling in grocery stores because a lot of the women who are going up there are trying to do their tasks, get their stuff out of the way for meals, and they're not necessarily looking to purchase workout tapes. So why does she have to go to the store then? Well, that's because Augie sent her there, and Augie's son is actually there clicking off every time she sells a videotape to show how much income she's earning. But that's her business life. And then quickly the show delves into her personal life. And that happens when after the party, she's in the limo with her husband, Danny, right? Right. And this is where we kind of meet him and get the full picture. He's a he's a guy with big glasses. He's got a mustache, a 1970s style uh, sideburns. Mm-hmm. So you get that image in your head. <laughs> right, yeah. He a little bit does look like Gordo from um, uh, Halt and Catch Fire, right? Yeah. He's whiny. He's arrogant. And he's also sort of a loser because last season he lost this big election 
Um, and now he brainstorms ideas in his garage with this guy named Jerry. So he's not exactly the coolest of, of chums. However, he is quick to go after other people for their opinions. Like if you're a fan of Reagan, he really dislikes that. And so he's complaining in the limo ride the whole way home. And uh, really, yeah. And Sheila is sitting there like bracing herself. She's getting really pissed off. She's at her wits end. And then she blows up on him. She's like, I hate you. I hate you so much. I hate you. She goes and spends the night with her best friend Greta or Gretel. And Danny just shocked goes to his house. Well, yeah. yeah, you see, I'm kind of surprised to hear that because like you were saying last season, Danny lost the local San Diego election. Yeah. But he, this season... Even, oh, there's going to be a turn for Danny. Well, even the person who played him, Rory Scovel, said that like he's first season self-centered, but he's supposed to be kind of redeemable this season. He is. He is. Absolutely. We'll get into that. But the first introduction that they're showing us is the version of him from last season carrying over. Okay. So they want to just get me, the new audience member... <laughs> Under the same understanding that she is. So there's Sheila. And Sheila does something here. What do you think of Sheila so far? Just based off how I've explained her. Uh, She seems like she's hardworking. She's hardworking. That's a good way of describing her. This is where I first think, well, maybe Sheila's not the nicest of people. Because she tells Greta when she's at her house, she's like, I am going to leave him. But just not yet. And that pissed me off a little bit. Because it's like, if you know that the relationship is not going to work, don't keep him lingering around right like right. that's that's mean to him it's bad for you so what what's up with that sheila that's my question to her main main complaint of the show is the fact that people say that yeah sheila she's kind of vain and harsh and can come across as very unlikable and even the uh the creator annie wiseman was talking about uh she she brought it up and she was like yeah i can see that but also this isn't a show for everyone <laughs> <laughs> so basically just screw off if you don't like it no my real thing was is she a flawed hero or is she actually the villain? I couldn't tell right then and there. I think that's the question that they want to leave you with. Maybe, but it does seem like Danny, who is this weird mix of social justice, but mansplainer version of it, <laughs> where he just thinks he knows everything, but at the same time, he's a feminist, you know, that type of person. <laughs> yeah. um, it just feels like he is redeemable or that he is fixable. He hasn't done anything outrageously bad that I was aware of. So I was like, Maybe leaving him would be for the best for both of you, since you could be good people and just go off in your right directions. She returns home the next morning, right? And she has this thought process of like, I'm going to tell Danny exactly how I feel. Now, I don't know if that means that she's actually going to break up with him then and there, but she's definitely going to lay everything on the line. But what it doesn't go according to plan. Mm -hmm. She walks into the house. Her daughter's awake. Her daughter's name, I think, is Maya. And Danny's basically done the Mrs. Doubtfire apology scene where, like, Mrs. Doubtfire, if you remember from the Robin Williams movie, he makes a terrible first impression. Like, he's about to get (laughs) fired as a nanny right at the start. But then in the next morning, he's, like, made pancakes. He's done, like, this outrageous thing. He's made sure that everything is likable and they, they make it hard to fire him. That's kind of what Danny's done here. He's made the pancakes. Sheila walks in. And before she can even get a word in, he's like, I was so wrong. I'm a jerk i'm a chauvinist it's time to put you first i'll be taking care of the house i'll be taking care of maya which is unheard of in the 80s this was the time of like mr mom where gender norms have been like switched or where gender norms were just beginning to get switched like that and it was like people still look down on husbands who took the home life right um but he's like i can involve and i can be better if you give me a chance and then he throws in the last line of unless there's another guy And in the previously, there was another guy, but not to the point where she was cheating on him, more like she was just thinking about it. Kind of like the Stranger Things, um, uh, Mike's mom, Mm -hmm. where she she was really like considering this other guy. So I'm like, okay, Um, he's put it on the line. 
But that puts Sheila in a box and you can tell she's uncomfortable with it. She does give him another chance, but like, that's also the point where I'm like, maybe if she called it quits here, that would make her a really strong character because even with everything on the line, she knew that it wouldn't be the smartest idea to move forward if she really doesn't love him anymore. Right, and kind of touching on what we were talking about earlier, net said, even while Sheila is definitely not nice, and maybe not even good, if we can give Don Draper or Walter White a chance, we should be able to give her a chance too. Yeah, I, w- so. I was not selling her short at this point. In fact, when she goes and she starts doing her business again because that's the next scenes we see with her is she's selling her heart pumping workout tapes at these grocery stores and she's having to go full commitment because there are people insulting her like guys who are going up being like can i look like you and she's like yeah you can actually and guys can do this too and blah blah blah, and upselling everything and actually getting success from Mm -hmm. doing so um she's also getting questions from people that i think are really authentic to the time period like a ton of women were asking her well i get big muscles i can't have big muscles and I remember I saw a an old YouTube clip of a Johnny Carson interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where Arnold Schwarzenegger was endorsing fitness because he was all about right. fitness. Yeah, of course. And steroids. But <laughs> fitness mostly. And he was talking about how women also should stay fit and it won't give them big muscles and that like that is just a common misinterpretation and that they should really just it's it's good for their body. Well, to bring in science to it, I remember in my sophomore year of high school, uh, I learned that the reason why men are much easier to get muscles than women is because women are like four. 40% stronger. That's why it's harder for them too. <laughs> well, she said that she was super toned and that's a good way of putting it. Also, some people were asking her, is it for kids? Um, and then when would I have time to do this? Like she has, and that's where Sheila really focuses on not liking selling to people in grocery stores because they are there for a purpose rather than a mall where it's like you kind of want the car salesman out there selling right. random stuff. Um, so yeah, we get her in her business life and she seems pretty good at it. And then we also get Danny's interactions back at home. He's dropping off his daughter, Maya at the school. And that's where he has the most Mr. Mom interaction because Wanda comes up to him, just this random other, uh, mom. And she's giving him banana bread. And she's like, so is this your day off? And he's like, no, this is my actual full-time job now (laughs) taking care of Maya. And then Greta, Greta pops up and she's like completely on Sheila's side. She already thinks that they're broken up. She's like, get out of here. Like, you're not, you don't really want to be a dad. You're not responsible. Right. Shit like that. And so my, my inner working is like, how cool would it be if this show made it for Greta and Danny to actually, like Danny to actually redeem himself to Greta and make her feel guilty <laughs> about being such a, a bossy kind of bitch to him. Well, Greta herself, like she in season one, put Sheila on a pedestal. Yeah. And in season two, I think what's supposed to happen is that she's supposed to kind of see Sheila as Because of now. Danny, I think. Because I think Danny's going to so get So you're pretty such... sure that's where the show is going. Well, that's where it kind of was hinting at here. Because Danny did agree to become part of her like school um, PTA, I think is what you would describe it, which meets twice a week. And it's definitely a burden on him. But he was doing it because he wanted to show his commitment to wanting to... Uh, prove himself to uh, his wife. So then there's also this interaction Danny has later on. I think we just dismissed Jerry. Jerry, I think, was a big deal in the first season. I think Jerry's gone. Yeah, I don't mean, Oh, yeah. So, Jerry. like, yeah, he's his <laughs> business partner who was living in his garage or something. And uh, he, Jerry's like, why are you doing this? Why are you compromising for your wife? And also, women are all mysterious. Shit like that. And then he kind of says, okay, well, yeah, well, this is what I'm doing. Jerry leaves. So that's Danny's life. And then at the very end of the episode, we get this sushi date between Greg 
Greta and her husband Ernie, and also Danny and Sheila and. D- Danny, Wait, I'm sorry. They have a they have a date when Greta went up to Danny and like kind of busted his balls about yeah. shit. Yeah. So later on here, even Greta mentions like we made this plan before everything happened between the two of you, and Danny kind of like gives her a weird look. But then besides that, they just approach this date normally, and then he's like, I I can evolve. I can make myself better. And then he eats the sushi that he had been saying that he hated sushi up until that point, and uh, you could tell he didn't like it. The show ends with then. Betty Davis eyes, that song by Kim Carnes, as we see uh, Sheila coming home with Danny, she decides to give him a blowjob. And then we don't actually see that. But then at the end of it, once he's gone to bed, she goes to a random hotel or motel and cheats on him with this other dude. There have been two storylines I kind of omitted, which we can approach right now, but they don't have to do with Sheila and Danny's relationship. They have to do with um, one is... John Bream, who is this handsome missionary guy, and he's played by Paul Sparks. And the thing about Paul Sparks is this. I'm biased against him. I've seen him play the villain in too many things to think of him as a good guy. <laughs> so right now I'm 100% in Danny's corner because she cheats on her husband, Sheila does, with this Paul Sparks, John Bream guy. Uh, he, I've seen him in Thoroughbreds, The Night Of, House of Cards. And he's just like the sleazy Was he evil the dad in villain. Yeah, he's the dad yeah. in Thoroughbreds. And, uh, and and he's cheating on his pregnant wife. And yeah, the pregnant wife is shown to be kind of like a racist in this episode. <laughs> but are these all trash people? Like, is Sheila a trash person? Is oh. John Bream a trash person? Is Like, it, it feels like Danny doesn't deserve this, even despite his apparent flaws. And then also it appears that Sheila has other enemies because in the first season, I think she took up that fitness instructor job and was working with someone else. There were Tyler and Bunny. And we see two scenes with Tyler and Bunny where they're trying to, they're kind of like the comic relief, film their own exercise video of her like going down this, or rollerblading down the streets of like um, the the beach, right? And then... (laughs) Their roommates, like, film over it. Their, their roommates being Cakes, Turk, and Pablo. And uh, also they give her crabs. It's, it's this weird dynamic. Basically, she hates, though, Sheila. She hates Sheila because she feels like she's stolen her fame, Bunny's yeah. fame. So, yeah, there's a few reasons why Sheila looks like she might be the villain in this season. Other than that, that's kind of where the episode ends. And I can get to my conclusive thoughts of my goods and my bads and, and where yeah, I just, rated just, it. But. Just to talk about, because you were asking if every single character is a trash person, that's literally what the Ron Tomatoes consensus was talking about. Like, I won't give away what Ron Tomatoes gave this, but they were like, yeah, every person in this show is like a really unlikable like, for unlikable. one reason or another. Yeah. I, I did find a, like, I don't think that Tyler is too bad of a person. He was just comic relief. Yeah, but I think they're talking about majority of them. What, what were your uh, thoughts on it? For my pros, I can definitely say that Rose Byrne is the best part of this show. And if this show deserved a second season, it is completely because of also her. Also what Ron Tomato said. <laughs> <laughs> I read the Ron Tomato. No, I'm um, She pegs, first of all, the American accent. She's done that a lot in her career. She's able to do it amazingly well. Um, her inner narrative, like I was talking about, mixed with her acting is actually good. And so many times when people do it, it doesn't match up 
quite as well, even when Eleven did it and she didn't have to act alongside it in Stranger Things. Like, that didn't pair very well. But Rose Byrne is just a great actress. So even with the material being questionable and her character being questionable, she's still just a joy to watch. She really fits in with this, like, um, like I can see how they pitched this and they put her name there. Danny also, I think that in the end, he is, like you said, redeemable. I even wrote the word redeemable here, Mm -hmm. which is nice to see in a show like this. So many times they make the husbands like just these terrible people that can't change. Um, And then Greta was so anti Danny that I actually enjoyed it because I was like, (laughs) well, there's somewhere where the show can actually head. Now my bad. I give this show a five out of 10. Harshly, I will say it's oversaturated. This premise, we've seen it so many times and recently. Mm. Minx, by far. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Kevin Can Fuck Himself, Roar, Why Women Kill, Halt and Catch Fire, Koizumai's Linda. Most of those shows are great. I was just about to say, yeah. Most of those shows shows are (laughs) acclaimed. But at a certain point, it becomes just the same plot. Again, with just the smallest of twists, physical just borrows too much from these other episodes and that we've watched. And it left my eyes rolling at the end when she did show that she was having an affair because then it just became a complete soap opera. Like, why would you give your husband a blowjob, give him a second chance and then be like, well, you know what? One last time with this other dude. Um, Yeah. And it's not even nearly the worst affair that we've seen on Apple TV uh, um, uh, for all mankind season two. (laughs) Which we'll actually be doing for All Mankind soon. But, yeah, overall, I think that I I would not watch another episode of the show. I don't hate it by any means. And if I hadn't seen all those other shows that I listed off there, um, and if I hadn't seen Minx, then I probably would have rated it higher. It's just that, like, yeah, I feel like I've seen this before. I think it's a repeat. And I think it's passable. Refinery29, to be fair, they were uh, grading kind of the first season, but they said this show is dark. Really, I'm talking viscerally, painfully, piercingly dark. The music makes it darker because like scenes that would normally be like funny or scenes that would normally be less awkward, like the music makes it clear that it wants you to feel shame while you're watching certain things happen. Also, it makes me sad that like so much money and effort could be put into something like this and not something even more creative. That's something that hasn't been done before, you know? Yeah, I mean, it has a 65% Rotten Tomatoes for the first season. The second season actually has four tomatoes. It doesn't have a tomato meter yet. The show overall on IMDb has a 7.3. The episode you watched had like a 7.6, but only had about like 30 reviews. IndieWire said this season of physical has a tendency to feel lighter than season one. You could jump into the second season with only cursory viewing of the first, um, and you should do that. And that is what I did. <laughs> and then, but, the why, but why the podcast gave the premiere 10 out of 10, calling the series amazing. <laughs> Have they seen Minx? No, I'm not saying Minx is amazing, but Minx borrows it's so better. It, no, it's like the same plot. And it's, I know it's like 10 years difference, but like it's this woman who decides to go off and do her own thing business worthy um, and dump her husband, but the, or not her husband, but her boyfriend. And the boyfriend seems slightly redeemable in the end. And it's just all like the same plot. Yeah, well, I mean, Annie Wiseman is the person who made this show. She's worked on a lot of different things. She's ran for things like Desperate Housewives, Dead Like Me, Heartland, and even an episode of Samantha Who while producing also just a ton of different TV shows. She wrote the pilot for this kind of just for herself. 
I, I avoided saying Desperate Housewives because I feel like that is too cliche. It is not that crazy. <laughs> like clearly, Well, no, she wrote for it, though. I know, but if she didn't take what she did on Desperate Housewives and apply it as much to this as no, she did. No, in fact, one thing that you didn't mention that was, I thought, the like main part of the show was the fact that uh, she was writing about eating disorders. I think that's really what the first season was about, uh, Sheila having to like, go through eating disorders. They touched on it lightly. Like, when she was passing the hors d'oeuvres, she was like, I can't eat that. It would add how much pounds to me, mm. blah, 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 blah. But I didn't take it as my, oh, we also seen the previously, like she gets a bunch of hamburgers or something. <laughs> and I guess the fitness instructor vibe of it. But um, yeah, yeah, she but doesn't well, seem like she's overly, in the, at least in this first episode, concerned about her weight. But maybe that goes on later on. Yeah, I mean, Rose Byrne, like you were talking about kind of with the fitness thing, she worked with the choreographer for months, even more than she did uh, for season one, even doing some sequences filming for three hours and 95 degrees heat. When she wears a leotard, or when anyone wears a leotard, there's really no room for error as far as like, you can't put on too much weight with those things without being able to, without it showing. So yeah, I mean, that's credit to her, I guess, for just being in shape. (laughs) (laughs) Annie Wiseman has been having been trying to make this show for eight years and i was trying to see how they were able to get rose Byrne for the first season all any wiseman said was that she gave her the script and she ended up liking it rose Byrne pops up everywhere she pops yeah. up in like no activity in the australian version not even the american <laughs> version that's how i knew that she wasn't american otherwise she would have completely fooled me i guess my her la- accent is as good as like phillips from the americans which also takes place in the 80s my last question has to be was uh like was there any trigger warning or resource contact that popped up beforehand because apparently that did happen in season one for some episodes oh man i don't remember i just remember that there was a trailer to something else and then i pressed skip trailer (laughs) and it said june something and then it started the show (laughs) so yeah um i'm sorry i don't i don't have an answer okay yeah i mean that's about all the uh research i have well i was kind of disappointed that they didn't concentrate more on the exercise video boom because it's like that that is a subject that hasn't been touched upon too much you have people like richard what's his face Oh, Richard Simmons? Yeah, Richard Simmons. Like, a lot of people who just rose up and just for their perky personalities. And I would have been interested to see sort of this insight on this random person who was trying to break into that field. So I wasn't sure if she was actually based off a real person or not. Like, she very well could have been. No, I don't think it's based... I I mean, obviously, Annie Wiseman, uh, with the eating disorder, that was all, like, her. But I think that the full show is just kind of fiction. Mm. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.